This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for a show that takes place in the mellow regions of the international break. The international breaks are back. Joining me to discuss Villa, the including the Arsenal game and where we stand now on the Sexiest Aston Villa podcast. You'll have to take our word for that because it is an audio-only event. Joining me, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, and the return of Mr. Dan Rogers. Welcome Hello, back. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Hello, my villa chums. Cheer up, Christopher. Cheer up, I am cheery. Christopher. Oh, hello. Hello to you too. <laughs> Cheer up, Mr. Bird. I am cheery. I am positively... He doesn't sound it, does he, Mr. Shaw? <laughs> no. I think Help, me out, Help to... me out here. <laughs> I think we need to replace him. I've got just the man he's been asking to come on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Denied. Right. What's on the agenda? We'll obviously catch up with the latest Villa news. Yes, we will have to go over that Arsenal game. I think it's potentially an interesting one to discuss in terms of that and the Hammers game was very much a, uh, to quote my favourite term, a litmus test to see where we we are in the world. And then we'll uh, have a little sauté through the media Muppets to see if... uh, the old uh, battery hens are up to anything uh, <laughs> this week before uh, going into the uh, the three points and beyond. How are you, Mr. Rogers? Long time no speak. Well, Corona finally got me. Um, oh, did it? Did. Oh. it did. It finally got me. And despite my having, you know, a shield uh, and an immunity built from many years inhaling the vapours from the Villa Park urinal troughs, <laughs> it finally, finally permeated. And, and February was a write-off. I would describe it as, um, I don't know, a similar feeling to the Paul Lambert years throughout. Of- <laughs> 28 days later. Yes, um, but I'm back and back with a vengeance. Good man. Uh, so how long did it? were you down and out for? The whole month, did you say? Yeah, it was not, not a good experience. And uh, moments of, a bit like the, bit like the Paul Lambert uh, years, in the, the, there, were mo- there were false dawns, many false dawns. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd have a Bradford City. And, uh, <laughs> well, we, you know what we'd say about that didn't game, happen. never mention it. It didn't happen. Um, didn't happen, never mention it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and, and but I had the the resurgence of Aston Villa uh, to keep me alive, and of course you'll you'll find dulcet tones on the airwaves. And how uh, how's the new social uh, media influencer Chris Bird? I'm uh, I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kept him quiet though. He's a bit he's a bit keen. Well, Chris, you've got a new one. album coming. This is your opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your opportunity. I'm just saying you still can't here. even get the fucking thing finished. <laughs> Oh, we'll revisit that one uh, ne- ne- next I'll month. I'll let you and, know, uh, yeah. I'll put it off. Phil Shaw, quickly, because the fans want us to get talking about Villa. They're not interested in our petty little lives. No, just keep going. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> keep... I'm all right. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Oh, how, oh, how passive-aggressive is that? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, saving, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm saving my passive-aggressiveness for Arsenal. Right, okay. How about you, David? How are you, more importantly? Don't talk about me. <laughs> I'm fine. Well, I'll tell you what, gents, it's good to be back. God, you, you guys wait till the Russians have arrived. God, you'll be Yeah, no, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Before we start, a thank you to uh, the supporters of this episode, Free Trade. As you know, uh, if you're a regular listener of My Old Man Said, rather than uh, have gambling adverts on this podcast, we prefer our listeners to uh, invest in their long-term wealth 
to help uh, achieve their goals. And Free Trade is an app that I use, and I was attracted to it just through its simplicity and the fact that it's commission free. And you can actually run your portfolio from your mobile phone. If you sign up with uh, My Old Man Said uh, via freetrade.io slash moms, the link will be uh, in the show notes. You get a free share from the value of £3 to £200 up until uh, this weekend, uh, the end of Sunday, the 27th of March. The minimum share value will actually be uh, £10. So uh, you can sign up uh, via the app. And uh, once you fund your account before uh, Sunday, that will guarantee the minimum amount will be at least £10. Put it this way, if you get in the market now, you're getting in uh, at a much better position uh, than I did uh, a year ago. As with all investments, your capital is at risk and the value of your portfolio can go down as well as up. Do check out Free Trade. Uh, the app is both on the app, Apple App Store and also uh, Google Play as well. And uh, once again, it's freetrade.io slash moms. I think it's time for some news. Uh, shall we talk about uh, Miley Cyrus's uh, plane to Paraguay being struck by lightning or uh, the villa news? I mean, it's different to arriving on the back of a wrecking ball, but um, <laughs> let's go with the villa Oh, news. there's one of those. There's one of those coming through. Chris to, came uh, in like a wrecking <laughs> ball. <laughs> That's right. You should, actually, you should uh, contact Villa and say, look, we know the North You're Stand. You're going to use me to knock the North Stand down. Summer 23. We know uh, there's one place on the wrecking ball. Can I take it, please? <laughs> What a way I to need go. It for, I need it for some social in, social media influencer pictures. How did and, uh, die? T- TikTok video as well. You got well. broken by getting <laughs> smashed through a kazoo sign. Brilliant. You got you got a new you got album launch coming up. I mean, you swinging, swinging yeah, nude on a wrecking, on a wrecking ball. ball in the uh, <laughs> halftime entertainment. You need to get onto your people. Yeah. Say so there's an opportunity there with this North Stand being knocked down. Put the album back as a year. Summer 23, Wrecking Ball. Noted. It's got to happen. Speaking of Miley Cyrus, I was in uh, a sushi restaurant about six weeks ago in America when she was there. I saw her and her, it was her sister's birthday. So uh, there's the connection. But she's still alive, by the way. The plane got hit by lightning, had to make an emergency landing. But anyway, you were elected for the Villa News. Uh, Mr. Lucas Dean seems to be, uh, he's back, isn't he? He's, uh, we thought he was written off by uh, the tone of that Villa uh, social media. Come back stronger. When, Come back stronger. That's like, oh, he's gone for six months at least. Back stronger already. But, he's, he's running the baton for the French squad. Fine. Couldn't get out of Villa quick enough, could he? Yeah, so uh, he, he might see, uh, he might be on the pitch in their second game. So uh, we shall see. But he should be back. Uh, He'll be back for Against Wolves. the Dogheads, dog won't he? Yep. Potentially. Uh, Nakamba, he'll also be back in full training. Uh, so uh, potentially at some point we could have actually a whole full squad to Surely choose from. Surely not. Surely not. For the first time this season, <laughs> in the final the final embers of the season. Just when we don't need it. Thanks for that, Villa. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, Chris Budd's favourite player, is it? A Rogbenen. He's, he's a good player. He signed a five-year deal. I mean, he's he's got a path there. If he is good, 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 yeah. he uh, he's definitely got a path because that's an area that we not only do you want, uh, let's say, a first teamer, but you want you want a bit of depth there as well. Mm. Gerard's made it quite public, hasn't he, that he likes him. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in international uh, call-ups, uh, Ollie Watkins managed to sneak in there at the eleventh hour to join Tyrone Mings in the uh, England squad. Obviously, uh, John McGinn's off uh, with the Scots. Uh, Lucas Dean with the French. Uh, what happened with Buendia and Martinez? I thought they were banned. They've still travelled, haven't they? They've just gone to yeah. train and have a bit of banter and a bit of a holiday. Sounds like it. team bonding for the uh, World Cup. Something like that. Martinez loves the Argentinian setup, so it's going to be hard to keep him and away. And they're all walking into... around like with their mat. Is it mate that the drink they all have? All oh, right, yeah, yeah. I remember every time I used to interview uh, Vigo Mortensen, he of uh, on the road Lord of the Rings fame. He would always have a mate on the go, right? And he would always used to wear. I can't remember the team now, but always used to wear this Argentinian club football shirt as well when he did his interviews. Forgive me. What is this this mystical thing you speak of? This mate? Can you get it? Can you get it at Villa Park? Or? 
Unfortunately, uh, not, not, yet. not yet. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, we've got two Argentinian players. They like should a, be getting it's it like in a there. Tea, basically. Yeah. Hmm. Which you kind of suck through this strange-looking medieval cup, this kind of metal straw. I'm sold on it already. I used to have a flatmate who used to drink it all the time as well. And yeah, actually, he he was born in Argentina as well. Make it happen. Be better than a Capri Sun. Commemorative cups. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I want more choice than a Capri Sun, a Bovril, and some or some watered down Heineken. Can you imagine Holtend twenty what twenty two thousand? Everybody sipping at their little slurping at the same time. Mate <laughs> straws. People would come to oh the, the disdain. It would be like the pit. West Ham with the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it'd be. I think it'd be cooler. It'd be like uh, something to be seen, especially if we're all wearing flat caps or something. <laughs> anyway, we move on. Uh, Sorry. Black caps and matter. <laughs> That's completely my fault, that is. <laughs> As you were, Michael, please continue. David Warren. Uh Andy Lockhead, Villa's uh, centre forward of yesteryear, uh, passed away, and obviously there were tributes at the Arsenal game before enduring the game. Kind of needed a player of his profile against Arsenal, actually. Yeah. Somebody just to get, get stuck in and get their head on things. He was a uncompromising uh, striker before my time but a legitimate kind of villa legend and uh if you're a certain age group, uh, you will have fond memories of him. I like this one. Uh, they're going to have to extend the season for Villa, aren't they, till like June, July? I heard they're going to put the uh, Winter World Cup back uh, on account of <laughs> Yeah, just so Villa can finally try to schedule in the Liverpool game and the Burnley game. Anything else up for Potentially grabs? Potentially there's uh, Palace if they get to the Cup final. Yeah, That'll go as well. Because that game is set to be the day after the FA Cup final, isn't it? Yeah, it's the penultimate weekend isn't it I, I don't get this i don't get stupidity when you look at liverpool for example and, and you know manchester city if you're planning fixtures you would expect those to go deep into the champions league potentially deep into the cups as well so you must have one eye on that and i'm talking about you know loosely in terms of when fans buy tickets they obviously you know they've they got jobs they've got to uh, move things and uh, potentially you know if they've got kids find babysitters etc cetera, etc cetera. and this liverpool game's already moved to two dates and now it's moving to a third date and this is within a space of literal literally a few week couple of weeks yep. so now you know they're selling tickets on the website but there's actually no date <laughs> Great business model. Yeah. It's like fantastic business model. It's like, well, come on. Surely, uh, you know, you can get a bloody date before you have the gall to uh, try to sell them. And, they, and I've, when you look down the, uh, the the possible sort of fixture route that Liverpool have, of course, I think they've got Benfica in the cup, which you'd think over two legs they should get through. If they get through uh, that, you kind of think, when the fuck are we going to play this game? Yeah. There's not that many gaps in their midweeks and stuff if they, if they progress in Europe. Meanwhile, we're still waiting to play Burnley. Uh, I think we've got one date locked in. Uh, we just need another one, and that also uh, is going to be a struggle to uh, fit in there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it'd be midweek kind of games style, in May, like, wouldn't it? We might be playing twice in that last week potentially. Yeah. I mean, it's a good job we're not actually seriously playing for anything, or else this could be a potential nightmare if we were fighting relegation or trying to get in, sneak into the European spots. Uh, this could really uh, compromise us. Well, it's kind of good in a way because we play City and Liverpool right at the end of the season, so we could fuck one of one of them over, maybe. I mean, you know, Gerard, give him a little gift. Let him uh, have Liverpool win the league. Uh, I'd probably because that's we haven't beaten Manchester City in the last couple of seasons. We've beaten everybody in that that top six apart from Manchester City. So I'd like to have them uh, ticked off uh, and to do it in the most painful way properly for them would be the best way to do it as well. Not like you know a third round League Cup game. Do it on the last day of the season at their place when they've got a winter. Yeah, but there's a few Grealish well wishers who want would want that as well. I'm sure. <laughs> Let the cutthroat mercy. <laughs> <laughs> reverse reverse Aguero. <laughs> who would score the goal though to win it? Who who Phil? If you're talking about reverse Aguero, what would that be in the Villa terms? <laughs> Grealish own goal. Oh, oh. <laughs> I think it'd, ha- it'd have to be have to be McGinn, wouldn't it? His best friend. Oh, that would be good for Bantz. It would be yeah. good for Bantz. Or I reckon Martinez. That'd be quite fun. Mm, crotch thrusting afterwards exactly yeah. <laughs> or, or just McGinn dressed up as that chicken scoring uh, the winner <laughs> turkey with a header <laughs> yeah. just to make it even more ridiculous 
I think that's the uh, the fixtures covered. We don't have the answers. No one does. Premier League don't have the answers. The club don't have the answers. Uh, the police don't have the answers either. Speaking of the police, did have a little meeting with them. Uh, part of this independent advisory group. I'll put an extra bonus podcast uh, for the My Old Men Said patrons about that. Some pretty interesting uh, stuff, actually. Oh, it really kicked off Palace and Southampton fans. Because uh, Palace were playing Wolves on the same day. And that railway uh, pub near New Street, Palace and Southampton fans ended up in there and it, and it just went berserk. I think for a full minute, proper punch-up tables flying and took everybody by surprise. Fucking Crystal Palace and Southampton. Yeah, bizarre. What a squaresy fucking bit of hooliganism <laughs> that is. <laughs> Chris, you're in a terrible mood. You've, you've been away. You've... You... Lots of lots of selfies in Edinburgh. What do you want to talk us through? What went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what went wrong, Chris? We'll get to the bottom of this. But uh, let's uh, see what's happening in the world of uh, the battery hens with the latest media muppets. <laughs> So, Mr. Phil Shaw, what is in the medium up at Trough this week? Well, there there seems to be a running Coutinho theme. He certainly replaced Grealish in the clickbait inches anyway. Alex Diggin for the, the battery hens of Birmingham Live. And it's really, it's the Frankenstein's monster of clickbait articles. Alex Dickens, uh, Dickens incidentally, is the uh, the blues uh, journalist. Oof, that, that, master, master of the clickbait. That adds to it. Um, the headline is Wolves are waiting for Aston Villa to trigger the 33 million Philip Coutinho clause. And like, well, why is this in the Villa news? It's, it's just a mess of speculation. It's got nothing to do with Wolves being interested in Coutinho, so everybody can calm down. Um, it says Wolves have a vested interest in the deal. They, they just don't. It relates to Barcelona signing Adama Traore permanently. The line in it goes, Wolves hope that Villa triggering their option to sign Coutinho will set the wheels in motion for Barcelona to acquire Traore permanently. It's just a tenuous link playing the fact that Barcelona might not have enough money to sign Traore unless Villa buy Coutinho. And that's birthed this like, hodgepodge of, of other articles about the two players. So they just throw in more stuff. Then they go down. It even throws in at the end that Barcelona are considering spending £200 million for Erling Haaland for fun it just contradicts everything that went before it yeah it's, it's just football manager knowledge battery henning isn't it it's it's it, they're eggs that you just wouldn't want for breakfast uh. yeah and then i mean to be honest if barcelona really wanted dama triori i think the 280 million they're getting from spotify for sponsorship might just just be enough to get that one over the line uh. but i think you've you have to give special mention to talk sports um twitter admin as well for the freeze frame of the the mings tack tackle or the mings pass that uh, saka ran into which we'll probably get on to later to just pick a moment in time and freeze it and then just use that to, to get engagement i mean everybody throws up still frames of incidents and it's like well you just wait for the split second that that it fits your narrative uh, whether you're right or wrong the whole debate around that, I mean, we'll get on to it later, was uh, farcical. I mean, even at the game, when he saw it, you were like, why is he giving him a yellow for so that? So obviously yeah. got the ball. And the fact that he was thinking about the red, it's like, what, you know, what is this game? What I, I have no idea. But we will get into that anyway. I mean, the reference to the battery hens was, uh, I think it was in the Press Gazette, where one of the regional newspaper companies basically pointed uh, the finger to Reach, which uh, used to be the Trinity Mirror, who uh, run the Birmingham uh, Mail stroke live, and uh, another company uh, whose name uh, escapes me, basically accusing them of, with this, this new scheme they've got, this accelerated personal development pilot scheme, where it basically calls on journalists to hit minimum benchmarks of page views which you know essentially clicks between 80,000 or 850,000 a month they've been told they have to uh, have a 70% increase in online page views uh, by the end of uh, this year essentially it's like sales targets isn't it this isn't journalism this is something completely different and it's quite sad to see that's where it's gone i don't know if journalism uh, when you're studying journalism is what you think it is what people used to think it 
is I don't know if you know you're walking into the clickbait uh, setup now, and those are the parameters, or if you're going in thinking of uh, you know the romanticism of being a journalist, and then the reality when you suddenly can't get a job when you come out of uh, doing a degree, and then the only jobs that are offered is just to churn out the clickbait what in whatever sector that you're in. I imagine these new this new breed of clickbait journalists. You know, like you when you're on the motorway and you see like a, a completely rammed on the. On the uh, battery hen theme, you see a rammed lorry full of sheep on the way to the slaughterhouse. It's a bit like that, isn't it? That they've just sort of created these <laughs> creatures now to, to farm out slurry. <laughs> and it, 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 as I've said before, I, who's reading it? Because there's nothing to read. It's just complete nonsense. Yeah, well, you just look at Twitter and that's who's reading it because everybody's <laughs> in on the gravy train. There's all these like aggregate Twitter accounts who basically, you know, there's, there's no editorialization there. They'll just take whatever the headline is from yeah, the, the yeah. clickbait, put the source and then put it out. And it's just basically to get engagement. I mean, with the Colcatino thing anyway, everyone knows that Barcelona are going to recall him anyway. <laughs> So it won't matter. <laughs> we'll talk about him a bit later because his wages, I mean, are still... Uh... He's the only person who'd be able to pay their electric and gas bill in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> so do you mind? That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, in their most, fi- uh, most recent financial results, Reach reported that it was on track to double its digital revenue by the end of uh, 2024. So this is the, uh, the thing. It's like they found this formula... It's not news. The government of, I mean, a couple of years ago, they they said there should be a uh, like select committee report into this because this is uh, it's not news anymore, and it's kind of a danger to uh, society. It's an ugly thing. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Right on to the three points. Point number one: the Deloitte Rich List, which we used to be on once upon a time. I seem to remember. The Deloitte Rich List of football clubs has been released for 2021. Uh, Manchester City are now top of the pile. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, even though uh, they're top, uh, is it 56% of their revenue is linked to their owners in some way? So it's all this kind of buyback sponsorship, isn't it? From like the Etihad, the name of the stadium, which is a buyback sponsorship, uh, the whole uh, travel, you know, v- v- visit uh, Abu Dhabi. Expo 2020 Dubai. But anyway, enough for them. Uh, Villa actually sneaked into the top 20 and AC Milan had a problem with that. What went on there? Oh, yeah, I mean, AC Milan weren't pleased at being behind the likes of Leicester, West Ham, Wolves and Everton. So the Villa sneaked in in the 20th position, but uh, AC Milan complained to Deloitte and said there was an inaccuracy. So Deloitte recalculated the score and put AC Milan um, in the 19th place putting Villa down to 21st there so for a moment uh, all Christian Perslow's dreams had came true and he was among the 20 richest clubs in the world but then just like that it was just snatched away from him. How the mighty have fallen in Milan? I can't take this seriously I look at it, it's 17th Wolverhampton Wanderers, 15th Leicester 18th Everton this isn't like the power elite is it? No, and this is the same Deloitte that was as a record fine for accounting scandals. So maybe they're they're adding and taking away, isn't it? They probably asked AC Milan for some money just to help with that, and Allegedly. then uh, they would bump them up. I mean, AC Milan and Villa do have something in common, at least, that they've both had dodgy Chinese owners who completely trashed their club's finances. So we can share notes, at least. Well, I think, I think Villa should be bumped back into the top 20, because I could see in the 19th place, um, Zenit are in it there. So uh, we can just, we can just them cancel them now. Yeah. Throw them out. Yeah. Throw them all out. Speaking uh, of uh, Russia and football, uh, point number two, some superb trolling by the uh, the Russian Football Federation. Uh, the bids have kind of gone in for the uh, Euros. Uh, they normally do two years at a time, don't they, for World Cups and Euros. So Euros 2028 and 2032 it was initially believed that uh, for 2028 it would be uncontested uh, at one stage it was only UK plus Ireland uh, as a joint bid was the only one in and uh, I think at the last uh, moment Russia suddenly went in and Turkey came in as well and both Russia and Turkey and Italy have expressed interest in hosting the 2032 one. England's thinking, uh, you probably read this, uh, initially the idea was to go for the uh, 2030 World Cup. Uh, I mean, they've been desperate for a World Cup. They've, they haven't been able to uh, bring up as much bribe money as the, the likes of Russia and Qatar to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, I'm just telling the truth there. Yeah. 
we roll out the royal family instead. Good one. We think that, yeah, Prince William and Beckham turning up at a couple of parties is going to swing the deal. Oh, get Andrew out there. He knows what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) FIFA. FIFA are only interested in hard cash in uh, shiny brown paper envelopes. So uh, it's been deemed by the Digital Culture, Media and Sports uh, Committee Chair, Julian Knight, as uh, too expensive. Uh, I mean, he's dismissed it as a giant expensive vanity project, but... Uh, what do you mean, like Birmingham having the Commonwealth Games? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you really... <laughs> Chris is having a bad day, bad week. He but... is, isn't he? Oh. Oh, Chris. They're just basically being cheapskates, aren't they? And going for. But I don't understand this whole Euro thing. It's so mishmash now. Because didn't we host the final and the semi finals of the last one? And we hosted them so well. We made a great <laughs> job of that, didn't Flawlessly. we? Flawlessly. <laughs> really safe. Really safe. And. Uh, Horse flares all around. You know, there wasn't anything ridiculous like people shoving flares up their ass. No, no and, disabled you know, people like trampled. That. No, no, of course not. So, uh, I mean, Russia will probably get it over uh, the UK and Ireland, despite the fact that they're banned from playing football uh, internationally or like club football. In general, yeah, but I'm sure you know they've got a brown paper envelope in them. Well, maybe not anymore. Uh, (laughs) After these sanctions, of uh, they might have some Bitcoin kicking around to uh, outbid. the uh, the UK and Ireland. You, you, you know UEFA will give it to them as part of their rehabilitation programme. Ooh, can't see it. It's hard to think about a European or World Cup uh, while we're on the brink of a, a world war, never mind a World Cup. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Mike Dean, I was going to say, is it moving up or moving down, moving across? Is he is he taking over VAR or just moving into VAR? What's the story? Plugging himself in permanently. Like the Matrix or something? He's, uh, so he's right. What's <laughs> happened with Mike Riley? No, Mike Riley's still in charge, but uh, Mike Dean is making the same move that Lee Mason made last year. He's going to stop on-field refereeing, and he's going to permanently be a, a permanent VAR referee. Resident of Stockley Park, eh? Is that where the money is, this VAR <laughs> refereeing? I can <laughs> see there being a turf war though, between those two heavy hitters. It's going to get lively in Stockley Park. Well, at least he isn't going to be on our on our TV screens like um, BT Sports resident um, Peter Walton because he paid Dean a tribute in the, in the Times and he says he's not a guy who chases the big time. The big time comes to Mike Dean. What? Fuck off. <sighs> Mike Dean uh, holds the record, doesn't he, for in terms of the Premier League for most red he cards holds given. All, he holds all the records. <laughs> most, yeah, most red cards given, 114. Most yellow cards, 2026. And most penalties as well. Most screen time, probably. Most as well. goals celebrated against Aston Villa on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, there's no need for those handstands at Villa Park when we can see. And the knee slide was really taking the piss. Right, anyway, let's move on to uh, Aston Villa's last game. Uh, there's ov- there was obviously no rush to cover it when... Uh, the result was a negative one and as an international break, but uh, an intriguing one because it was like a measure of where we are because Arsenal are a team that we were looking at eagle-eyed uh, only 12 months ago as a team that we could usurp in the pecking order. And here we are uh, looking up at the table and thinking, how the hell did they get up there? And we're you know plodding along double figures points behind when uh, last season we were actually above them at one stage, uh, very close to double figures ahead of them while they were struggling at the foot of the table. But it seems that uh, Mr. Arteta has done a better job than uh, Smith and Gerrard uh, combined. Hmm. So going into the game, uh, there was a switch. I was quite surprised, actually, obviously being at home as well, to see Buendia come in and him revert back to the uh, Coutinho and Buendia when the the Watkins and Ings seem to be uh, doing all right. What was the reasoning, do you think, for that? I wonder if he thought he might get a slightly better press, like almost like a three-man press, um, potentially flood the midfield so it was almost like a, a 4-5-1 when you don't have the ball potentially I don't I don't know but it, it didn't work you could see from sort of 5-10 minutes in that you thought hang on a minute we ain't got this one right and you could just see it unravelling before us I think he needed to sort of counteract Arsenal's midfield because if you if you look at it Arsenal have five players across the middle of the park and there, there's no real wingers among them or anything else. There, there are five midfielders. So you have Xhaka and Party in the middle. Then you have Odegaard in front of them and Smithrow and Saka. They could be asked to play in the ten or in midfield if they needed to. So there, there's real numbers in that midfield. I mean, five proper midfielders and nobody like hugging the touchline unless then, unless that's their, their game plan for the Although day. they did have genuine width on the day because Saka and Smithrow did hug the touchline. So it was clearly a, a ploy to get their two wide players running it. You know, young and cash. 
and they, and yeah. they pinned them back. Well, let's talk about what was happening. I mean, I I was quite surprised how high they were pressing. As you're talking about the the bodies in midfield, but they were they were getting forward in terms of pressing Villa, and suddenly we we're finding that situation where Martinez is putting out the ball when he's meant to be passing out the back. He's putting it out for a, for a throw in in his own half, and we were under pressure again. It's the same way as we were pressed like against Manchester City, where it kind of frustrated the crowd and became a, a little bit embarrassing. But this was a more dynamic, organised Arsenal team. I mean, it was day and day and night from what we're used to. We're, you know, we've been beating them the last three trips, if you include the friendly that we uh, we snuck in uh, last summer. And this was a different a different beast. Yeah, it's the best best version of Arsenal we've seen in a long time, isn't it? Because for a long time we'd we and most of the press and most of the clubs, I'm sure, had accused them as being, you know, they've always been nice on the eye, footballing-wise, and very talented, etc., and quite entertaining to watch when they're in full flow. But there was such a soft touch, which in the the game at Villa Park, you saw a team who were actually quite steely and very well organised. Lots of energy. You yeah. say it's like the the best version of Arsenal. You I'd say it's it's the worst because I I came away from the game thinking I haven't had my, my weekend football match. I've I've watched some sort of fucking Cirque du Soleil or something um, performance <laughs> by Arsenal because what? I've, I've never wow. I don't, I've never I've never se- I've never seen such a choreographed mm. you know effort at influence and the, the easily influenced referees when when they didn't need to. I mean, ah, well, we'll get Ars- onto that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Come on, as you jump in the gun now, as a performance, I thought that was a, a, a as good as away performances, like professional yeah. performance, where you're going. We're going to Villa Park. This is how they're going to line up. This is what we're going to do. They executed their oh, game have, plan perfectly. If we play, yeah, exactly. If we play the way we want to play, we should get the points here. Yeah. And I think I said on the last podcast, Villa, uh, Arsenal will be looking at this because they'll be thinking, ah, oh, Villa, you know, starting to wag the tail a bit look at you know the talent they've bought this is a what you'd consider a marker game yeah if you're going away to places like Villa and winning where well Villa were informed then that's a good indication where they are at so that's why they were pretty happy about Agreed. you know celebrating or whatever because it's it was in the overall picture it's like yeah actually we're at a certain level now that we're probably above where we expected to I be. think I know what what Phil means I think that the 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 anger walking away from the game is that the the dark arts that Arsenal yes. employed were very yes. very I mean very frustrating. They broke the game. I thought we were going to talk about that later. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I'm going to talk. I'm going to, <laughs> <laughs> That's in the second era, isn't it, though? Um, <laughs> but my but we we were we were football to death, and and they, Arsenal were the most in terms of footballing style and and control were the most like Man City that I've seen at Villa Park this season. Uh, yeah. And and I, and the thing that really scared me was um and not and the point was made at the beginning about how how much of a different beast they were and how I think Arsenal were behind us last season and it was frightening how much footballing progress I mean yeah, it was 90 minutes of football but they absolutely dictated entire phases of play particularly in the first half and we had no response one comment I'd say about about that though was I just wish we could see what was happening very early on I don't know why we waited to make the change sometimes I, I, you know the manager that jumps to mind is uh, Mourinho would have made a change very early in that game tactically Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's address that first thing. Yeah, I saw straight away we needed somebody out wide because you could see what they were doing. In the middle of the park, there's no, there was no way through the middle of Arsenal. There was absolutely no way through and we're very narrow in that respect. And you just thought, 
you can see it straight away. You've, you've got to uh, you've got to use the width more. And, and there was a lot of circumstances where cash was out uh, out there, and he was calling for it, but nobody uh, kind of looked up and uh, stretched them because he was the the only width, you know, really that we had. Because Young was being a bit cautious, obviously, because he had uh, Saka to deal with on that side. But what, what I'll say, the the main thing, and you know, if you want to sweep in generalization, is they knew they looked like they had conviction in everything they were doing, and we didn't. I think Gerard said we didn't have the belief, and conviction yeah, is correct. my, you know, conviction is my word. We didn't. We looked half assed We looked scared. We 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 didn't look like uh, we were completely convinced in what we were doing. And that's scary when you got some of these players of thirty million. You know, Coutinho's even more, and they're not looking like a team that know what they're doing, and, and they're not looking like a well drilled team that have confidence. And you know, under even under Smith, and I'm not comparing Smith to Gerrard. I'm, I'm comparing the same players. That fear had gone. We were playing Arsenal. We were playing Spurs. We were playing Liverpool. We were having a Manchester United. We we're having a go. Like there was no uh, fear factor, but in this game, we just we seemed like suffocated, and we just couldn't break out of that and and actually get a hold of the game. I mean, you could see their plan. Their plan had gone to plan before we even kicked off. They're the first team this season to come to Villa Park and turn us around, make a shoot to the yeah. whole end in the first half, and it was almost like the team were like, "Oh, hang on a minute, this wasn't in the plan. We always shoot to the, the whole end in the second half. What do we do now?" Yeah, and you could just sort of see, you know, players who'd played so well at ripping through a very informed Southampton team or gone to Leeds, you know, which is a difficult place to go and pull them to pieces. There's no reason why they shouldn't be confident. And they just, I don't know, they're coward. It was really strange to watch. As you said, Arsenal suffocated them. And I think Gerard sort of said after the game, we were very passive, lacked the sort of physicality. And, you know, when we did, I suppose this tees us up nicely for the Mings incident, but when we did actually put our foot in, we, we, we kind of didn't do it very well. Yeah, we, well, we, we got we got rocked, to get we got rocked into, by the dark arts they were playing yeah. as well and we 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 got uh, they just took all of our momentum out of the game yeah. every time we got the ball they'd foul us but get away with it every time they'd get the ball they'd allow us to foul them so it was a very bitty game yeah as i said you know gerard said after the game about there was a lack of belief but you're looking at the same players that have previously played against the likes of liverpool arsenal spurs and you know chelsea and played without fear yeah. and taken points off them and and to see this it's like we've regressed back to thinking that oh Villa are just a mid-table team and uh, you know these are free hit games when uh, actually you know we should be mixing it with these boys because somehow if you want to break into the top six you've got to start beating these teams and actually consider yourself one of them and by the looks of uh, the last two games, uh, we, we clearly don't. It's a bit of an inferiority complex, it felt like. Certainly in the first half, we just stood off and went, whoa, we can't deal with this. And when the goal came, it didn't really come as a massive surprise. But remember when we played Liverpool and we beat them 7-2? I mean, how, how can we how forget? Can forget? But we knew we were going to get pressed then. And it was almost like, because we knew we were, there was going to be Liverpool high press, that's how they play. We had a plan for it and we caught them out. Now, recently against Manchester City, we, we were like, Passing, trying to pass it out of the box inside our own six-yard box. It, you know, we were so pressed back, and it was a similar situation in this. We don't seem to have a strategy, a clear-cut strategy, how to deal with this. And surely Gerard knows that it's coming. And it was stupid because on the occasions we actually just put the ball in behind them and made them turn and face their own goal, we actually looked like we could cause some problems. Because I don't think yeah. Arsenal are a good side and they're much more organised, but I still think defensively they're still there to be got out of the back, and we didn't really test them too much on the rare occasions we didn't Watkins hit the post and we had a couple of sort of half mm. chances you thought well, why not you aren't just going to sit back and beat these why not just go at them head first I think just Villa were just so completely unsettled from from the first whistle it's just like mm. everything every event in the game just seemed to unsettle the Villa players and they the never played it, played the game of football that's what I was saying they'll come off that pitch going, did, did we even play today? You know, do, do we even need a you know, warm down anything like that yeah. it was just it was the first the, game actually in this season that even though there's been games where maybe the players have been accused of being on the beach I, I don't believe that's been the case but it was the first game that even in the stands it felt like an end of season game there was there was just no intensity at all like a nice hot sunny day walking to the ground at lunchtime it all felt very relaxed yeah. you get in the ground the atmosphere was dead but within about five minutes of the kickoff what atmosphere there was and there was no intensity on the field there was no, there was no spark from the team to get the crowd going and there was something I noticed as well, and I might be reading too much into it, was that, that Wendy was obviously found himself on the bench um, after probably reaching the peak of his Villa form a yeah. few weeks ago. 
is reintroduced here and I didn't think we saw necessarily the energy or the the sharpness that you no. get through playing regular high level football. Um, well, I mean, look across that midfield. They all got uh, by, didn't they? Pretty much. All I of mean, them. look at. I mean, Ramsey. All the hype in the week. Oh, he's so close to the England call up. So close. I've never seen three, you know, three or four times carelessly gave the ball away when we were under pressure, and suddenly we we had an out because he got the ball and he passed it straight back. That, that is a management issue for me. That he's. It's uh, like what? Yeah. What? What's going on there? I think you've got a young. I mean, how old is he? Nineteen? Is he something like that? It's twenty now. Isn't he? Twenty now. You know, and I, 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 I am a believer that younger players you've got to accept that they will have uh, there'll be a range of form I suppose is what I'm saying but I do think he's been exposed the last couple of games where especially when I look at the last game I think we could have afforded to rotate that and take him out a little bit and give him give him the opportunity to to recover and recuperate and like you say it just felt like such a poor performance didn't it I mean there's the danger isn't there this the hype thing where I mean, if you look at the hype things. I mean, as soon as as soon as you know, Twitter started talking about Ramsey, uh, England squad. You just like, oh, can't can't you? You know, is is it all you need now? Is like a few goals and you know six or seven games, and you're in the England squad. He needs to prove yeah. himself over a season, but also for his own his own uh, well being, because you know, if that performance was based because he's kind of easing off, thinking, yeah, I'm the don now, I'm, I'm almost in the England team. And he doesn't think he has to work and you know be consistent. Then uh, there was evidence there that he's not you know he's not close to the England squad because you can't be giving the ball away that cheaply. No, if he's going to be judged against his peers, Smith Rowe and Saka, or his peers are the same age as him and on the other team. Well, Smith Rowe was was an absolute terror, wasn't he? And you can you can see all of the qualities that why why, why we were interested, but why Arsenal were so keen to keep hold of him. I think that is that is the measure, isn't it? That 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 real relentless upward trajectory of being a you know becoming a household name in the Premier League because you do it week in week out. Um, I, I think that when you looked across the midfield, you saw players at different form. Um, I mean, but I think form. sorry, going, yeah, going back to Ramsey. I mean, I think going forward, he is uh, can be sensational, and that's where he's getting all his plaudits from. But one thing we used to say about him originally was a, a bit casual in the defensive part of his game, and that's still there in terms of the way he gave the ball away. Uh, you know, it's kind of what Douglas Louise had been doing in, a, in recent weeks. But it's uh, it's some you know it's it's an underlining thing if if he. Uh, just becomes a bit more tenacious and you know keeps it simple in the defensive side of the game you know he he will improve immensely as an an all-round midfielder because attacking wise i mean we've seen him where he just goes for it and you know goes through about five of the opposition we actually needed him to do that more we needed someone to carry the ball you know we actually had two yeah. wingers sat on the bench who didn't come on for what's it about the last 20 minutes or so when really arsenal were kind of just holding us at arm's length at that point i, I just think we got our plan our, our plan was wrong and we didn't execute whatever plan was there. And well, I think it's Arsenal, attitude as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we just got. We, yeah, we, we 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 couldn't get a foot in the game. And I think Arsenal probably got wind quite quickly. And Arteta's maybe a bit more streetwise than we give him credit for because of how poor Arsenal were last season. But he knew how to negate our threat. We never even looked like we were going to be a threat. The only time we <laughs> were when we got a free, you know, a free kick on the corner of their penalty area. And what was it? The fifth minute or fourth minute of injury time, and Martinez went up, and he thought this yeah. this would in years gone by this would be where Arsenal fuck up and drop the points, which is a sign of their progress because last year or the year before, they would have probably lost that game. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, 10 minutes ago, you thought, actually, uh, <laughs> we we could still draw this game. I mean, it would be, be a shocking result in terms them, of yeah. how the fuck did we get away with that one because we should have been hung, drawn and quartered. But, uh, but these are the games, these are the ones you've got to do, haven't we? We've said it all year. There's, there's not been that many times where we've managed to play badly and get a result and that's something that Smith yeah. had last year. We haven't been able to grind this year. Because, you know, we, we've only got three draws uh, and this would be an example of one where if we'd, uh, let's say, been a bit more dynamic and had more of an attitude where Arsenal, you know, they're going into this going, oh, you know, it's going to be a battle to get anything out of these, you know, these at their own patch. If that was the general demeanour of playing Villa then uh, and we scored you know 10 minutes to go got an equaliser then that's how you get you know that, that would be classed as a typical draw probably didn't deserve it but you know we got it but when we're, we're, we're not getting those uh, results it's not like we didn't create in the last few minutes so that, that's a, a good point actually I mean I, I still don't quite know what uh, Traore was trying to do uh, at the end of the game where there was there was we, a couple a of balls header, wasn't it, it, the it was frightening really for, for a professional 
Um, yeah. But we, we were creating, and you know, Arsenal had th- those final few minutes where they were essentially hoofing the ball. I can remember a couple of them getting hoofed into the, the Doug Ellis, you know, where I thought, well, you know. But you thought, where, where was this head of steam the whole of the second half? Where, where was it when, you know, why weren't we trying to take the initiative, as I think you were just saying, Chris, earlier on? Because we gave them absolutely nothing to think about whatsoever in the first half. Um, yeah. And why did we wait till the 90th minute to, I mean, one shot on target against an Arsenal team that, as you say, it's, there, are, there are some frailties at the back. And of course, they, they didn't even have their first choice keeper. Their goalie had not barely played all season. No. Think you'd, surely you'd be thinking, shoot on sight in the first 15, 20 minutes. Just get yeah, out and him, put him under pressure, put the ball to in the be box. A bit, a bit dodgy as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Uh, start of the game, what was it, Phil? Start of the game, as Manchester United are still they the play. only one of... I know they're, they're still the only one of the current top eight sides that Villa have taken any points wow. from. I mean, last season was a different matter, wasn't it? You had Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal twice, Spurs, Leicester at the time. Yeah, strangely, and, and you, um, that was despite where we finished last yeah. season. The main, the the main bullish thing about the season was we were beating those teams, and you think mentally that just sets you up. You're going to go into games now, yeah, going head to head, toe to toe, but we've regress back to where we used to be. Strange, actually. Arsenal are uh, the only side in the league who've drawn as few games as Villa this season. That's because they've been winning. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would say, in terms of our improvement... <laughs> We've um, been losing. I did see after the game that we conceded 20 in our first 11 under Smith. We've actually conceded 20 in 18 under Gerrard, including only five in the last seven. So defensively, we have improved. It always just seems like one step forward, two steps back, one step forward two steps back yeah, through the season because we were talking like in, when we won uh, after the terrible run uh, when we won three on the bounce and it was all like uh, unicorns rabbits and rainbows uh, <laughs> for our attacking because we'd, we'd banged in uh, was it nine in three games and you're looking at that West Ham and Arsenal game and you're thinking well that, the forward line just hasn't got the conviction despite the talent on display it's kind of a strange one seems like a but simple equation to me I think if Villa's midfield click they stand a pretty good chance of winning the game but there's the fair chance that they won't click at the moment it's kind of a 50-50 chance at the moment I just don't think Villa can handle the mental game I mean that's that's what I, the point I was trying to make with the, the orchestrated Arsenal mm-hmm. performance I mean any decision you had at least five six Arsenal players surrounding the referee yeah. the referee literally couldn't play advantage because he would have to push Arsenal players out Usually of the way one of them to being you know, carry on refereeing the game yeah, I mean, it was just that's what that's what has changed about the Arsenal team from previously. I mean, it's it's drilled into them. It's I mean, back to the way they used to be Smith. when they had sort of Vieira in the yeah. refs ear constantly. Lacazette, yeah. whenever there was a decision to be made, Lacazette would be in his ear. On a few occasions, the ref told him to do one, but because the ref didn't get on top of that early in the game, he let them get away with it and a little bit of time wasting and. Now they were very easy to go down. Not that we can say much because of you know. <laughs> it's it's funny how the away team has been influencing the. I mean, we were talking about referees just this day and age don't seem to have a uh, control of the game. They don't seem to have the authority of the overall game with all the time wasting we've been witnessing. But it seems to be like the away teams are uh, rolling the roost on the ref when really you should be coming to Villa Park. The home crowd should be so intense that that has a bearing on the ref. It just isn't is it? And and the players the home players should be getting in their face but it's not intense at all is it i find and, it amazing um, how much shit the referees take you know and it, it does seem to be a problem in, in football really that that you think you look across other sports and you know the obvious ones rugby and whatever but many sports it, the, the officials get absolutely no shit you know and, it, and, it, and the, the really annoying thing about it is arsenal actually didn't need to do any of that in order to get their victory at villa park no but you can see the advantage the advantage is the it's the naivety as much as the, the officials that really winds me up. But you know the tradition why home advantage is home advantage yeah. because mm. the home crowd influence the referee because they know if they give that decision it's going to get you know thirty forty thousand is going to give them shit and it, it's a subconscious thing and that and that plays into that kind of home advantage as well as you know the effect of the crowd on the players. But it, well, that opens not, the other elephant that. in the room about the Villa Park atmosphere, I'm afraid, as well, that it's a bit... Because the only time it lifted was to bag out Saka, who I actually thought had a really good game, to be fair to him, and, and to bag out the ref. Yeah, and they need a bad guy. You know, it's not... It's not pro-Villa. <laughs> there's always the attempt to get the Steven Gerrard's Clarence Blue Army going... Normally in the second half, when they try to you know need to raise the spirits, which is and that's normally the upper, upper halt doing that. 
and that's fair enough. But it's it, you just hope when it just starts to die out, you just say, "Oh, I just wish this would go on and, and get louder," because that is the point where you know that's actually, how it used is, to be. But then again, I you know I just this is like deja vu to me. I just remember go back five seven years, same issues, same things on social media. How do we get the atmosphere back at Villa Park? You know, how do we get it? It's just the same old shit. There is an ap- there is at, an apathy, unfortunately. And then the funny thing, you know, my friend uh, in LA went to see uh, LAFC and sent me some videos. I mean, I can put these up on Instagram. Behind the goal, it's like fucking madness. You know, flags, fucking drums, everything's going mad through the middle of the game. You know, flags being waved, everything. But then there's that argument. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. You know, because you're doing something that's actually not reliant on what's happening on the pitch. You are creating the own atmosphere. Like abroad, isn't it? Supporters are uh, creating something. They're not just there to turn up to get a couple of drinks have a pie and then piss off with 10 minutes to go well consumers we, I want, no, my, we I want both, my, uh, my glass of mate is it mate yeah mate <laughs> yeah, we've, both, I know David, we've, we've both been to games in Italy and they are that is the epitome of home advantage when you go and see an Italian side play at home you go to the San Siro or Juve or wherever or Germany, yeah, Germany I, would, I would say Germany's go, no, I mean Italy used to be Italy's faded a bit yeah. but, but the English uh, there, there is a train of thought where the English go oh, you don't need all the fucking flags and drums and shit you know we, you just have your voices and that's the old school I think it's I don't know if it's a, my you know my generation and above like the spoil sports of this situation because it's not the English way and it's frowned upon, but you know, well, what's the what's what's this way that's happening now? It's just fucking boring with a capital B. It was against Arsenal. That was the thing I and didn't. I really didn't enjoy that afternoon. I mean, I remember I probably foolishly had hyped that game up, thinking it was had the potential to be a really good game. But actually, because Arsenal were in so much control, I found it a really boring watch. Yeah, well, I did warn you. Uh, I mean, there's, there was other people that were bigging up. Oh, so I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be great. I know like, it's going to be fucking one nil, nil, nil. It's, I think uh, more positive news. Mikel yeah. Arteta is now one of my most hated people just for his side of the pitch antics and very. He was never in his dugout zone. He was always oh. on the edge of the bloody pitch He's and the, the, the uh, arm waving and the fourth oh. uh, official or whatever was was right next to him and he should have pulled him back. Gerard never. St- Never stepped out his technical zone. Arteta was right out of it on the edge of the pitch. But he was part of the theatre as well. Like take the Mings tackle, for instance. He was part of the theatre where you know that that's how it it all combines yeah. to end up in this situation where we're yeah. all sat there going, "This is going to he's going to fucking send him off," you know. And you think, how, how mm. have we got from there were any any number of occasions where Arsenal players like the the one where Lacazette goes down like he's been snipered after McGinn. Bumps into I mean, him. I mean, McGinn gave him a very good shove, didn't he, during that Mings incident? Wow. McGinn was probably lucky to stay on the pitch for that because you've <laughs> seen players the, the Mings mm. incident, like when I remember when I was, I mean, this is going back a bit, when I was nine or ten, no, I was about ten, I, I used to play centre-back for the school team and made a tackle where I got the ball clean and took out the opposition's player. No problem, you know, play on, got the ball 100%. And I remember the uh, my manager, after the end of the game, said, uh, great tackle, and it said, it doesn't matter if you break the other player's leg, as long as you get the ball. <laughs> That's the spirit. That's the spirit. <laughs> and that, that, was, that was always in my mentality. That is a tackle. If you get the ball, you could kill the other player. It doesn't matter. You should get that. You know, on uh, they occasionally have the fold-out banner from the whole end. We should have that written on it. Yeah. Take the ball and the man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so that, only, that used, but it used you, to be basically the rule, didn't it? Yeah, but it it depends what referee you have, whether it's yeah. still the rule or not. You're, we're only two seasons past Ben Me, you know, ending Wesley's career for all intents yeah, and purposes yeah, yeah, yeah. with that exact same thing with a the ball 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 then man. I mean, his is completely different because he was in midair when he did it and wiped Wesley out. But, you know, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. And another, if that had been an Arsenal player doing that tackle, this is what I firmly believe. I mean, Villa's players wouldn't have jumped Ashley off the bench or nothing else. No else. It was just been playing. Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't a tackle. If you, <laughs> look, at the, if you look at the face of play, it was a... It was a pass. Yeah, it, it wasn't was a tackle. Not. The ball. He knew the. He knew the ball needed to get the Ashley Young. So we went right, flat-footed, straight in. But Ming, yeah, Ming's actually by the time he touches the ball, Saka's nowhere to be seen, and it's just you know yeah. after. And normally most players jump over that. Saka's playing for contact, so he gets what he deserves yeah. in that sense. And also, well, I just think, almost well, breaks what, his ankle for trying to simulate a foul, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, what I don't. You look at Ming's body shape. This and isn't. Stuff, and this isn't bias. He's so. He's so low. And and the weird thing is, it gives a yellow, and then you see it on that sky oh. clip that's been doing the, the round two fucking drips. 
talking about it. Oh, do you think you should have had a red card? Do you think you should have a red? Never mind the red card. He shouldn't have had a yellow card. Yeah, shouldn't then, have got that yellow card. What that 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 yellow card was basically the referee covering his ass. They're desperate. They and I think that that's the element now that you've got to a situation with VAR where it's almost like we need to find a decision or we need to, you know. And you have got this punditry that's furiously wanking at the idea of Mings being sent off or that Mings is the you know done wrong. And and actually, what what. what you know, not notwithstanding some of the, I think, unfair comments about Saka. You know, the the fact is that he, there was two or three instances of blatant simulation that have gone completely ignored for him. You know, and, and others in that team, yeah. and we don't talk about that, and that's not part of the game. Arsenal don't need to do that. That's that's a part of the game that's not desirable at all. Unfortunately, like VAR came in, and and you're thinking, right, that's that's going to sort out the offsides. That's going to make sure that no dubious penalties. It's going to sort out the diving jobs are good and doesn't need any you know overthinking really. Just need the technology in place. Bonus, you got a few people looking at screens that can feed into the ears of the ref just to correct any mistake they've made. To from that point where it's like. It's sorted, lads. Everything's good. It's just, I mean, it's gone backwards. It's yeah. now in at a state where nobody knows what's going on. There's too many uh, chefs in the bloody kitchen. The horse is bolted in terms of trying to sort out the refereeing and uh, the officiating, uh, whether it's on you know video or it's paralyzed uh, on the pitch. them. They can't. They're unable to make a decision now. That, that's what. That's my view. And they, they really need to sit down because some kind of. VAR lights, but the the fundamental rule that seems to have been thrown out the window was the clear and obvious, which uh, clear and obvious is never used anymore. What's well, used? It's used when sort of the decision. Yeah. I mean that you you won't you won't tell me that referees aren't sort of leaning towards the the top six just on those on those sort of borderline decisions. Not even borderline decisions, just anything that there's the scream for the get you could say that's a, a lazy conspiracy theory burning question i was asked by the bbc to uh, say where villa would finish this uh, season and how many points i went in with 49 and finished ninth and the justification was we have to play manchester city liverpool spurs and it's unlikely we're going to claw back that 10 points uh, that Wolves are above us, uh, even though we've got a game in hand and we've got to go to Molyneux, because obviously, you know, Wolves are going to win games as well. We're currently level on points with Leicester. And I said, as long as we don't get beat at Leicester, because they've got, you know, they've got reasonably hard games as well. Plus, they've got European commitments. So they'll probably concentrate on that European situation because, you know, there's not much to play for in the league. So that should be enough to uh, hold them out. I did the whole predictor thing as well. So, uh, so ninth was my uh, prediction, and I think overall most Villa fans would be happy with that. And uh, Gerard could pass it off, and personally could pass it off as progress. I mean, so the burning question is: Would you be happy with ninth? And is, do you think that's where we will finish? I'd be, yeah, very happy with ninth. I think we might finish lower than that, if I'm honest. Uh, just because I think there's a lot of teams in that batch. I think if we were to finish ninth with our running, you'd go, you've done really well there. It would probably mean we'd have to take, we'd have to get results against teams we haven't looked like getting results against yet. You say that, but really, it's only, it literally is only, uh, we've got Wolves is a tough one, but then it's like, we've got games against Palace, two against Burnley, Leicester away, you know, you fancy yourself 50-50 with them. So there's enough games, and I did the prediction thing, and the two teams around us obviously uh, at the moment are like Leicester, Southampton, and they've got games that they're not going to win. So uh, it's it's a lot of it's down to self destruction of other teams. But as as long as we, uh, and I think I put us down against Burnley, like one a draw and a win. Mm-hmm. So it's I think the key game is that Leicester game. As long as we don't, if we get beat there, then we we're, we're probably going to finish tenth. Because haven't Leicester got two games on us as well? Yeah, and that's another problem. But there's that European, the, you're balancing up with the European commitment. So there's an extra two games in Europe already, I think, against PSV. Right. I think we'll, I think we'll finish 10th. And they've got tough ones. So, uh, but yeah, I was, put it this way, I was surprised when I did that predictor table that we finished up ninth because I was thinking, yeah, I think it's going to be 10th or, uh, you know, 11th. I mean, ultimately, anything, anything higher than 11th from last year is you'd consider it progress. I think 10th would be the minimum. Ninth is the best we're going to get anyway. So you'd like to finish ninth. Everyone would be content with it. 
I think from where, from where we were at the point at which Smith was sacked and yeah. that, you know, again, looking beyond the prism of, of one game against Arsenal, I think the whole mentality changed. You know, there's a, there's a lot of work for Gerard to do. Don't get me wrong. And there's, there's still plenty to prove. It is interesting because we, mm. we did, uh, sorry to interrupt, we, we did think we were getting to that point where, right, we're, we're on the next step now to step into uh, attacking with intent, that kind of top six, that top eight. But now we're, we're a bit more reserved in terms of our outlook, aren't we? In terms of, ah, we might need a summer rebuild. Well, well, that's, yeah, I mean, that that's <laughs> it's, it, a symptom of the modern game, isn't it? And, and I think that you look, you look at how Arsenal were playing, and you look at how the top top teams play. I mean, even Man United, who have by their by their, their standards had a poor season, you, you look at the points tallies, and um, we've you've got to go on long unbeaten winning runs in this division to really uh, transcend into that top top part of the division, and you've got to have a. Uh, uh, unbeaten at least well, you yeah, look at the, uh, the run the Wolves have had well, well look at uh, you know Leicester have to be a, a team that's a good measure you know you look at this they've had some injuries I know and some poor form and some poor results that's put Rogers under a little bit of pressure but you know you've 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 got to get into a into a mentality that you can be in and around that top six and eight and then and then you you start to say well hey how do we break into the top part of the division it's it's the top table of English football isn't it and in this modern era it's all about the Look at some of the players in those squads. You know, I know Chelsea is going to go through some some flux now. Um, come the summer, you're going to have the the problem of of your Newcastles um, throwing money around, and of course, then you're looking at your Liverpool's, Man United's, and Man City's. It's you've got no god given right to enter into it, and but you've got to be superb to do it. I do this weekly talking point thing for the uh, for the BBC website, and uh, this one I, I was talking about the hidden pressure on Gerard. Because uh, exactly what you said about, you know, the goal is obviously uh, breaking to Europe, but the established top six teams in terms of players, wealth, it's not easy to crack. Then you've got Newcastle on the up. But you've got this pressure now where after next season, they'll start the rebuild of uh, the North Stand. That's going to go up to over 50,000. Let's, for argument's sake, call it 55,000. Season ticket holder list of around 20,000. Mid-table football's not going to sustain that because Villa fans, you kind of fickle. You, I mean, the uh, the honeymoon period of the new owners and everything uh, and the razzmatazz is going to start to uh, turn into mid-table reality. So there is that kind of, the clock is ticking to a certain extent mm-hmm. that Villa do. There is that pressure. They have got to uh, make indents and actually convince supporters that they are actually in it for real. But at the same time, it's not easy. And I reason this is the hardest job Stephen Gerrard will have in his managerial career. Mm, I agree. Yeah. I mean, if he, for example, if we won the FA Cup tomorrow and that was enough to get, get him the Liverpool job, the Liverpool job's going to be easier because the infrastructure's there. They're already in the top fucking four teams or whatever. But to get Villa from where we are and where we've been to that level again, is that's one of the hardest jobs in football, uh, as far as I'm concerned, to break that elite six or so. I mean, you've got six and then there's like two or three real elite clubs. You've got to throw Chelsea in there at the moment just because of their, you know, they've won the European Cup recently. And the huge pressures that come alongside it are not just the expectation that, that many fans will, many supporters will have with with all this, you know, this, this building sense of of progress or this this is certainly what we're trying to project is that the Gerard will, Gerard will have to perform with whatever players that can be assembled around it knowing that they're going to have to be you know you've you've stuck the flag in the in the in the sand if you like with the Coutinho type signing you've got to surround players like Coutinho with with yeah. With world-class players well, as well. We'll talk about this more uh, in the the extra show, uh, the, the Mad Few uh, Q&A, because uh, there's conversations about Coutinho uh, in terms of next season. And uh, this we, we don't want to be repeating ourselves. Uh, you know, we'll also uh, do an after-hours show where we'll just talk about a couple of other themes that uh, we've kind of touched on as well. Before we go, I just want to give a shout-out to the My Old Man Said patrons as well. And a uh, big thanks... Uh, to both Tom Priest and also Dane Bertelson for signing up uh, as a My Old Man Said patron. Thank you very much. Uh, please do go if you want to support the show and get access to uh, the extra shows we just mentioned and also Match Club. Please do go to myoldmansaid.com and check out the patron uh, link for details there. 
Uh, also, uh, please do uh, make sure you're following us. If you're listening on uh, Apple or, or Spotify, uh, make sure you uh, subscribe or follow or whatever they call it and uh, sign up for notifications for when the shows pop. Do you have any final words, uh, gents? Finish the album yet, Chris? Thank <laughs> <laughs> <Break> for it. <laughs> frustrating him isn't it it is it's getting to him now his whole demeanour he's he's not a happy chap I'm hoping he'll sample sample some of my vocals but he he never replies to my email all in the name I can't afford you I've got the budget (laughs) (laughs) all in the name of continual progress though eh yes exactly that's the spirit that's the spirit right when's the next game well I think we'll put a show out before the uh, The uh, a show in some shape or form before the dogheads there'll definitely be something for the weekend could test the dogheads but there's another I mean this is three games where you could expect win lose or draw against West Ham Arsenal uh, and Wolves but we're not standing there with three losses to our names because then you're thinking well uh, there's the evidence no Neves for Wolves though moving forward which is a big loss for them because he has been probably their player of the season there's no Martinelli for Arsenal though was there there was not (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, let's let's go off and record some extra shows for the patrons. So uh, until the dog heads, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ciao. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.